Well, as usual, we have a lot on the table here with uh, Dale Carter's America, and we will get to it all today. Of course, brought to you by Frontier Justice in Lee Summit and KCK. Faith, family, and freedom. I'm wearing my Frontier Justice hoodie. It looks nice. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you put the video up. We, we did a little field trip to the uh, Frontier Justice in Lee Summit. Absolutely. We had a great time. Indeed, we did. On the podcast today, we'll talk Rittenhouse trial, the infrastructure emergency, quote-unquote, and weaponizing racism. All that just ahead on Dale Carter's America. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Since we uh, last gathered around the microphones here for the podcast, Kurt, um, Jackson County did meet on Friday and by a 5-4 to four vote, they did away with the mask mandate in Jackson County. Um, it was interesting how it all came about, too, uh, because Frank White, who is Jackson County executive, famous in town for being second baseman for the Kansas City Royals, which, of course, qualifies you to run the county. Yep. He wanted to go along with the CDC guideline at least through November 22nd. Uh, my good friend Jeannie Lauer led the fight on that and uh, got four of her colleagues to vote with her. So by a slim margin, 5-4, the mask mandate went away. One of Frank White's concerns was the school districts being able to implement something so fast. Well, guess what? As soon as the vote came out, the Blue Springs School District pulled everybody together, and by a 7-0 vote, they eliminated the mask mandate in Blue Springs schools. So it doesn't take a lot of work. I was going to say, how much work does it take to take off a mask? I mean... Yeah, it, it doesn't much. take much. And, <laughs> you know, the Kansas City Star, which, you know, and I'm giving them a shout out. Why I'm doing that, I have no idea. But, you know, th- through clickbait, they try and get me on Facebook. Do they try and get you as well? Yeah, I see some of their stories sometimes, but I, I know better than to click on them now because there's a paywall. So Exactly. They have a paywall. Yeah. Why would anybody pay for that? And, you know, there's a thing in radio uh, that we've used for years. It's know thy audience. It's, mm-hmm. it's probably the 11th commandment of radio, know thy audience. And the star should really stop sending me clickbait because when I canceled the star, uh, probably around the time I turned 50, I thought at that time I was the youngest person still reading a newspaper. Probably <laughs> yeah. true, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So stop coming after me with things like, you know, the headline about how by just one vote, the mask mandate went away against CDC guidelines. Yeah, I, I just don't understand why they're making people pay for it when, you know, they're going to get better takes, more interesting takes elsewhere for free, like here, for example. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, you can get the news anywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, and it's on demand. You get it whenever you want it. You don't have to wait for the the newspaper to come out. Newspaper is definitely a dying breed. I would love to hear from any of you who still take the paper and why. Uh, send me an email, dalec at kfkf.com. We always look forward to feedback from listeners to the podcast and the radio station. So the uh, mass mandate is gone uh, in this town, except for Wyandotte County, they still have theirs, and Roland Park, Kansas, the city of Roland Park, Kansas, still has theirs. Yeah, I mean, they're they're getting uh, surrounded, so I wonder how, how the enforcement is actually going, you know, because I'm sure that there are lots of people who aren't Probably not by great. That. 
Yeah. You know, it was good going to breakfast in Blue Springs on Saturday morning and seeing faces again. It's, yeah. it's like amazing how that is. Um, the vaccine mandate for the Biden administration not going so well. Courts are still blocking uh, the uh, Biden administration's plan to make OSHA the overseer of making sure everybody with an employee base of 100 or more has their vaccine. Yeah, it's really looking like the the more we see of this, the less likely it seems that it's going to be actually implemented. I mean, you have so many companies that are suing, you know, states that are suing or challenging. Uh, it's being challenged by the courts. So, I mean, I kind of go back to what I said maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. It, it seems like the announcement was just to scare people into into getting the vaccine. I think maybe deep down, you know, maybe they were hoping that it would be able to pass, but I think probably deep down they knew that it, it was going to have a lot of trouble and they just wanted to scare people into, into thinking that it was going to happen so that they would go get the vaccine. You know, I'm not going to say all Democrats fall under this, but the Democrats who are running things now do fall into this. They hate the Constitution. I mean, they raise their hand and they take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, but they hate it. They, they hate the fact that the courts are there and, and they can't do anything they want to do because the courts are a block to it. They don't understand separation of powers, um, and they really don't. Uh, they would, you know, a guy like Bernie Sanders would love to tear up the Constitution and write it over again. Mm-hmm. And according to Elon Musk, he he didn't know that he was still alive. That's what Elon well, Musk said on Twitter. Who needs to pay? You do a better Bernie than I do, as far as paying a fair share. Let's. Everyone needs to pay their fair share, and we need to tax the corporations. The rich do not pay their fair share. Yeah, exactly. How was that? Was that good? That's pretty good. Um, maybe you didn't hear about this from the the climate seminar. Apparently, uh, John Kerry has reached a deal with China to help the world avoid climate chaos. They had a press conference over the weekend. Uh, he says, we are in fact closer than we have ever been before to avoiding climate chaos and securing clean air, safer water, and a healthier planet. Thank God for John Kerry. Yeah, John Kerry, you know, flying around the world on private jets, Lecturing everyone else how to live their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, the man th- with the longest face in the world. <laughs> the key <laughs> thing that came out of this was China did not want the language coal would be phased out. Instead, they've agreed to language coal will be phased down. So one word changed everything. Words matter. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. And Greta Thunberg, you know, she's the um, the kid who... You know, is the face and the voice of climate change. You just rolled your eyes. My eyes are rolling back so far into my head that they're going to break. She says of the entire climate conference that was just held, blah, blah, blah. So we agree. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we agree, but we're coming from, I mean, it's like we we always say about the left. I mean, nothing is ever going to be good enough for them and nothing Short of uh, us returning to the Stone Age, I think will be good enough for for people like Greta Thunberg. She's a spoiled brat who has no idea what she's talking about. Well, and for John Kerry, he would love for you and I to return to the Stone Age, but he will still have his mansions and his private jet. Yeah, must be nice. Like the old Soviet Union. You know, you had the Politburo who had the beautiful homes in the country and all that. And the the grocery stores had empty shelves, bread Mm -hmm. lines. I mean, we're, we're getting closer. Right. By well, according the day. to speaking of Bernie Sanders, you know, bread lines uh, apparently are good because it means that people are going to get food. You know, it's funny. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. 
On that note, it looks like more voters aren't happy with the job President Biden is doing. This is another new poll, uh, and this one does not come from Fox News. This comes from the Washington Post and ABC News. His approval rating has dropped to 41 percent. Seventy percent blame his handling of the economy amid record high inflation. And again, you know, what he wants to say is, well, we don't have anything to do with this. Meanwhile, everything he has done since January 20th from canceling the Keystone XL pipeline has made us more and more dependent on OPEC. And he's like the kid who broke the toy and said, what, me? Right. I didn't break it. Well, and the same thing goes for the climate conference, too. I mean, first of all, the entire issue is just kind of a joke to begin with. I mean, they're taking it, they're overplaying it, you know, making it a crisis when it's not. But if we were to really create a solution, what we would be doing is, is, you know, advocating for American energy, because we've seen that America is, you know, actually decreasing emissions and creating clean energy more than most other countries, most other developed countries. So, you know, we should be selling our natural gas to China, we should be selling our uh, clean coal technology to to other countries. Weren't we? I mean, during the Trump administration, we were a net exporter of energy. Oh, yeah, totally. And now we have been reduced to saying, OPEC, will you please give us some more oil? Right. I mean, we're the people who, when I say we, the administration, the Biden administration, they are the people who said that um, their goal was to get us completely off fossil fuels. Yeah. Everything was going to be wind and solar. Remember last winter when, uh, you know, the wind turbines froze in Dallas? Yep. And we were part of rolling blackouts all the way to Kansas City? Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, and that that's never going to happen. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a total pipe dream, and it's just you know we talked about it before, but you can change the policy, you can uh, you know crack down on on coal and gas and oil all you want, but it doesn't change the amount of energy that people use. You can't force people to stay in their homes and you know turn off their electricity and and like I said earlier, you know you can't force people to revert back to the Stone Age. They still need to use energy. They still need to drive their cars. They still need to keep the lights on. And so that's got to come from somewhere. Oh, well, here's another little dirty secret about energy. Um, The folks in Africa, you know, who don't live in the first world, they're starting to make noise that they'd like to live in the first world. Yeah. They'd like to drive cars and have electricity and all those things. Right. How does that work? That's an entire continent. Right. Probably a billion people. I don't know what the math is, but there's a lot of people. Yeah. And they're producing very little themselves. So they need us to, to, sell it to them essentially. So we like to say that our podcast is full of common sense ideas. Isn't it a common sense idea to have an all-in energy policy and reward what's working and constantly uh, research uh, into what might work, what might be a possibility down the road? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think we should keep all options on the table, but we should also not waste our time with uh, silly posturing and and silly ideas like, you know, we're going to get to net carbon neutral or something like that. I mean, it's like the thing with electric cars that we talked about last week. I mean, the the whole idea of net carbon neutral or carbon zero or whatever they're calling it now is just total BS to begin with. I mean, there's so much carbon that goes into making solar panels or making wind turbines. I mean, it's just, it's just not reality. We're we're not living in reality. No. Uh, Here's some reality for you, though. United Airlines is bringing back hard liquor on airplanes. Hey, cheers to that. How about that? Those little bottles, the mini bottles, they're going to be back. Most airlines stopped serving alcohol last year because of the pandemic because people were so pissed about having to wear a mask and they were fighting on the planes. It's like 
alcohol probably was going to make it worse. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe if they have enough of it, it'll just put them to sleep. And you know, I'm I'm kind of a girly drinker. I drink Malibu <clears throat> rum with pineapple juice. Do not judge me. Uh, um, too late. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to judge you because what you're drinking is not coffee. I don't know what that fruity concoction is you made it's over there. It's gingerbread. Oh, uh, it's gingerbread. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to get letters for that. Anyway, uh, United had been offering beer, wine, and hard seltzer since June, but now the hard stuff is back on a United flight. I thought it was going to be something about, you know, like uh, germs, you know, for for the bottle. But then I remembered that it's like those little individual serve bottles. So that probably doesn't have anything to do with it. But well, it depends on how many you get. Yeah. Right. OK. <laughs> well, you know, the move on planes is this is this is my move anyway. I don't fly that much. But, you know, you kind of get a little bit less sleep the night before. Yeah. And then right before you, I get on the plane, you know, if, if I have the time right before I get on the plane, I'll get a double shot of whiskey and I'm out. I mean, I, I will pass out for the entire flight, and I'll wake up as soon, once we land. Not me. I don't drink. I don't alter my state in any way because I want to be ready. For what? I have no idea, <laughs> but, but I want to be ready, right? Okay. I want to be ready, and, and I never sleep on a plane, yeah. and, and I've been on some long flights. I mean, from Hawaii to St. Louis was like an overnight flight. Oh, really? And yeah. I tried. I took two Ambien, yeah. and I'm wide awake because I'm terrified of flying, yeah. but I want to be in control. I had an overnight flight too. We're we're going off on a tangent here, but I went to uh, China when I was living in uh, the DC area in college. I went to China for yeah. a little over two weeks, and it was a fourteen hour flight, straight shot, overnight. And I was it was like you know the stereotype of like the cramped air, airplane seat. Mm. It was the most cramped seat I've ever been on, and I was sitting in between these two like smelly Chinese dudes, and. I could not, I did, I think I got up like one time the whole flight wow. and I was just sitting there. I was like trying to go to sleep. I couldn't sleep. It was the worst. Well, you're not fat, but you're really tall. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was like my knees were, you know, like resting up against the back of the seat in front of me. Oh man. Terrible. One more thing I want to throw into the news here. Uh, the mayor elect of New York, Eric Adams is a Democrat. Um, and, and I like him. At least I like what he's been saying. He's a, uh, a retired captain from the NYPD. And he's basically said he's going to bring back law and order to New York City. Um, and he's being threatened by Black Lives Matter. They are threatening riot and bloodshed if he brings back the NYPD's anti-crime unit. Yeah, I mean, New York has been going in the wrong direction for um, uh, quite a while now. So it's going to take more than some some big words to <laughs> reverse that trend. I mean, I think he, he has potential, you know, from what he's saying, it sounds like he could at least be better than de Blasio. I mean, I certainly wish that the other guy Sliwa had won, you know, right. he, he, he seemed like a, a good candidate, but we'll see, you know, I'm kind of holding out judgment. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'll say this for Eric Adams. He is not genuflecting to the altar of black lives matter. He says it's silly. And he says plans are moving forward. Right on. Yeah. So good for him. We got a lot to talk about today, and some of it happening as we record this. So uh, we may have to come back next week and do a review of what actually happened. Uh, but still to come, we'll talk the Rittenhouse trial. We'll talk the infrastructure emergency, weaponizing racism, which is still happening, and then some fun with IKEA. We'll do it all just ahead on Dale Carter's America. 
Prices are falling at Frontier Justice's Fall Savings Event. Smith & Wesson M&P AR-15 for only $649.99. All Vertex bags 15% off. 9mm, 223 and 5.56 ammo in stock and on sale. All things personal protection for you and your family at Frontier Justice, where the fall savings are too good to miss. Frontier Justice in Lee Summit and KCK or online at frontier-justice.com. Okay, the Wisconsin jury is expected to begin deciding the fate of Kyle Rittenhouse today. Final arguments are underway. He's the 18-year-old who claims he killed two men and injured a paramedic in self-defense last year uh, during a riot in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, The judge there allowing lesser charges to be considered in one of those shootings. Final arguments are today, and I just kind of want to sit here and, and talk about this a little bit because there's so many different angles you could approach this from. And I'm going to give you the ball first. Where do you want to start? Well, I, I'm just going to come right out and say I'm 100% pro Kyle Rittenhouse. He did nothing wrong. He was acting in self-defense. He was in Kenosha during the riots when people were burning down businesses, assaulting people, throwing Molotov cocktails at police, you know, burning police cars, the whole nine. He had a rifle with him. And if you watch the video... The, this is, I mean, the this case could not be clearer in my opinion because everything is on video. You can watch the video. You see the first guy chasing him. There was a shot fired in the air. The guy tries to take his gun. He gets shot four times and killed by Kyle. Kyle tries to run away. A second person comes up and kicks him in the face. That guy gets away. Another person comes up, starts beating him over the head with a skateboard. That guy gets shot and killed. And then a third guy comes up who is the only guy that survived, this Gage uh, Grosskreutz guy. He comes up with a pistol, and if you watch the video slowly, you can actually see Kyle sees the pistol, but he's not pointing it at him. He pulls up the rifle and then puts it down, and then Gage points the pistol at him, and then he shoots him in the arm and basically vaporized his bicep. And then he turned himself in immediately. I mean, he walked right to the, to the line of police. They kind of drove past him because they had other things to deal with. And then he went right to the police station and turned himself in. So, I mean, I think if this is not a clear case of self-defense, then I don't know what is. Well, let's let's. Uh, that's why I want to sit on this for a little bit because I think there are a lot of different angles to uh, talk about with the Rittenhouse trial. Kenosha is not where he's from, right? Well, he's from a town, and so Kenosha is a border town from between Wisconsin and Illinois. Okay, so. Kyle Rittenhouse lives in Illinois, but he lives like literally five minutes from the border. So the drive to Kenosha, Kenosha is the closest, you know, medium-sized city to where he lives. He works in Kenosha. Um, His family works in Kenosha. That's basically his town. So, you know, saying that he crossed state lines is is pretty irrelevant, I think, to this case. Legally um, able to own the firearm? He was 17 at the time. So... You know, I mean, there could be a case made that he was underage with a firearm, but right. you're talking about a fine. I'm you poking know? holes in this thing because I, I think you can argue something from both sides. Uh, I, I don't really think so. I mean, because the here's the thing. The case that we're talking about is not a case for underage firearm possession. It is a case for homicide and, uh, you know, murder or whatever. I think it's homicide. You know, two cases of homicide, one case of uh, assault or whatever right. it is against the third guy. So. Yeah. The, well, let it, me just say let me just say this to you. You don't have kids yet. <laughs> if I had a 17-year-old son and this was going on in Kenosha and he thought about going up there with a rifle, I'd lock him in his room. 
because and that's not about his right to carry that's not about what he did or the facts in the case that's about parenting saying don't go toward the danger okay this is going on this is terrible i think we agree on that but if you had a 17 year old son would you let him go into the middle of this with a rifle can i answer your question with a question sure what if he was 18 would your calculation be the same yeah my i mean my four of my kids are in their 30s and they're boys you right. know i think i would do it now to my oldest who's 35 <clears throat> i would say do not go in now as a parent would i have any right to do that no but as a parent who gives advice i would say stay the hell away from that what if uh what if they wanted to enlist in the military i would be all for that i think that's different i <laughs> that's very different then, then going it's, into in some ways it's different, but in yeah. some ways it's not different. I mean, the, your your community is being destroyed, and I, I'm not really. I I totally understand what you're saying, and I think I you know at least half agree with it. But I think there's another side to it too, which is that you know your community is being destroyed. the The police are totally uninvolved. I mean, at some point, somebody has to protect the community. You know, and and I'm not saying that it had to be Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm not saying you know whatever. And there were other groups there, you know, there were militia groups and, and mm-hmm. things like that. But these things matter. If you go back to, have you heard of the rooftop Koreans? No. So there was this thing back in, I think it was, uh, it was in LA in the 92 riots in LA. And there was a, I guess like a Korean neighborhood and a bunch of these guys went onto the roofs of their businesses with rifles and basically were scaring off the, the rioters. And guess what? their businesses were untouched. Yeah. You know? And so I think, I think it's just at least worth thinking about that, you know, property does matter. People's lives do matter. I mean, these were people's lives who were destroyed in Kenosha by these riots that were caused. The riots were over a totally justified police shooting. There should not have been even protests or riots or anything of the sort. If you look at the Jacob Blake case in in Kenosha. So, I mean, if the police are not going to do something, you're just going to let your city burn. I mean, I think that's and to be fair, I mean, he wasn't going in there. You know, the left will say, oh, he was going there to kill people. That's not true. He had a rifle for self-protection, but he was going there to help clean up the city. He was put he was literally putting out fires. He was scrubbing graffiti. He was providing medical assistance, you know, all this stuff. So all I'm saying is if he were my kid, he wouldn't have been there. I'm just saying as a that's, parent, that's fine. you know, you, you should sit on them and, and try and, and, and keep them safe and let them know that this isn't your responsibility. You're not a sworn officer. It, it, you're not part of the government. This is the part of the, I mean, the government of Kenosha and Wisconsin were responsible for what happened there and, and they let it burn. It's on them. Well, it's I not think, on a 17-year-old kid. I think the best point that you're making is that he's 17. I mean, when, when he's 17, he is still under legal protection of his parents. I think if, uh, you know, I was the parent of a 17 year old boy and he wanted to do that, I would similar, similarly, uh, you know, discourage him or, or you know, right, not, well, not let him do you so. You just but. passed your first parent test. You're allowed to have children now okay. moving forward. But he, here's another thing about it. And again, you could go from all kinds of angles. MSNBC is tearing at the, the judge a new one, basically saying that he is pro Rittenhouse and he's taking it out on a just a dismal prosecutor. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it, not enough to say that I can make a decision like a juror, but I've seen enough of it to know that, and I've seen enough law and order to know, as a trial attorney, 
you don't ask somebody a question unless you know what the answer is going to be. Right. And they've been playing without a net for the entire trial and getting burned at every corner and trying to bring things into the trial that the judge has already ruled on in a pretrial motion. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he's been on this guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the prosecution, um, this guy Binger or Binger, is really grasping at straws. I mean, I think he obviously knows that he doesn't have much of a case here. Because, again, we can talk about, you know, whether he should have been there. We can talk about, you know, the fine of the gun or whatever. But that is small potatoes compared to what the actual case is about, which is about homicide. And here's what I want to talk about, because you can't find this in the news anywhere of what actually happened. Because right now, Wisconsin is getting ready. They're bringing in guard troops because they're afraid that the place is going to burn to the ground if this kid gets off. One of the facts that has escaped all this is he killed two white people. Right. Okay. All right. I mean, regardless of where you are on the facts of this, why would this be something that would light a fuse? Well, they're trying to muscle white supremacy into it, as always, because that's the only thing that they know how to do. I mean, yeah. it, it's a really good question, and it, it's totally irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant to the case. I mean, and again, it's so cut and dry to me. I mean, I don't understand where the controversy is. I, I mean, I guess the controversy is because, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is on the right or, you know, he was he was against the protests and stuff yeah. like that, and that's why people are, are hating on him, and that's why people are uh, coming out against him. But the video is there. I mean, the evidence is very clear. You can see it with your own eyes. And, you know, now since the case, there's been new angles that have come out. There's infrared video that has come out. There's, you know, slow motion close-ups of every encounter within that video. And you can see that he totally acted uh, justifiably in self-defense, which is what this case is about. And he is innocent. Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent. All right. Well, I'm going to dig on our um, wire service at KFKF again. Again, it's powered by NBC News Radio. So uh, I've I've started like a um, back and forth with a guy named Michael Ross, who is the VP of news for NBC Radio. And, And I told him, I said, you know, your news, quote unquote, you know, the who, what, when, and where of journalism, you guys put opinion in almost everything that you do, uh, and it's not news. And he's like, oh, no, we're real sensitive about that. So if you ever come up with anything, please let me know right away. So then you sent him five pages of notes? <laughs> well, I, I sent him this note. I'm, I'm just going to read from what the headlines. This is from last Friday, so it's not that old. Each hour gets its own set of headlines. Headlines 8 and headlines 9 is what I'm going to be quoting from. So it was basically the 7 and 8 o'clock hour on KFKF. They're on the East Coast. They have they, they put together in their newscasts what happened in Kenosha and what happened on January 6th. They usually have the stories back to back. Okay, So see if you can discern what my problem was with all this. Okay, this is from headlines 8. The mother of an 18-year-old on trial in Wisconsin says President Biden defamed her son. She told Fox News he called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist last year, but insists it's not true. The teen is charged with killing two men and injuring a third during racial justice protests last year. From the next headline, a House committee investigating the Capitol riot says former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows will face possible criminal charges if he doesn't appear at today's hearing. He's been ordered to appear for a deposition and turn over documents related to the January 6th attack. So here's what I wrote to Michael Ross at NBC News Radio. The story from number eight in terms of journalism is laughable, but consistent with what your team has been doing. 
They refer to what happened in 2020, riots in major cities, as racial justice protests. At the very least, this is an affront to Martin Luther King Jr. and the nonviolent protests of the 60s. These same journalists refer to what happened on January 6th as a riot. I completely agree. Both were riots. By adding editorial opinion to the riots of 2020, your newspeople are making one seem better. Why not just refer to what happened without editorial comment? By the way, not justifying what Rittenhouse did, but referring to him as a white supremacist leaves out some key facts. The people he killed were white. You'd never know that from your reporting. All that kind of reporting does is stoke the fire of race relations, certainly doesn't make anything better. Honestly, seeing racial justice protests as a description for violence, looting, and mayhem was just too much for me today. I continue to completely rewrite your version of the news as I shop for a better alternative. Who, what, when, where, not why. Why is, again, for the editorial page. It's for podcasts. It's for what we're doing. We get to put it in our context, and people get to agree or disagree, and we're okay with both, right? Right, right. Again, I would just go back to... uh you know, what Kyle Rittenhouse did was legally justified. I mean, the textbook justified as far as I'm concerned, but maybe we disagree on that. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's obvious that the disparate treatment that's given to things like the year of riots and the January 6th insurrection, you know, I mean, and even if you just, we've talked about this, but even if you just look at the video from both things, I mean, there's no comparison. There was another video that came out a couple weeks ago of the people entering the Capitol on January 6th and the cops are there like opening the doors for them. It's like a single file line. You know, I mean, there's no comparison. Well, here's what I've always believed. And you can poke holes in this if you want. Um, Your rights end where mine begin. And the second you cross over into an illegal act and there were illegal acts committed on January 6th. Sure. There were illegal acts committed throughout 2020 in various cities around America. You've crossed a line. You've crossed into illegality and there should be consequences for it. For both. But what you can't do is put your own little stamp on it from whatever your political lean is and say, well, this one's okay because, or this one's okay because, or or this one's totally terrible because they're illegal acts and they need to be dealt with by the letter of the law. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Um, but that's not what's happening, obviously. Oh, no, I mean, obviously. There are people who have been in solitary confinement for January 6th since January and haven't even gone to trial yet. Well, people, that's unconstitutional. Pe- people who weren't even violent, right. people who, who didn't even, I mean, the only law that you could say that they broke was entering the building, but that's been happening for years. I mean, you look at the protests that happened with uh, the uh, Supreme Court justice, uh, what's his name? The beer drinking guy. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, thank you. And, and plenty of others. And Again, they were let into the building by the police. I mean, and these people are now in solitary confinement well, for again, months. Like I said, that's unconstitutional. It's that that you know thing that the Democrats hate is the Constitution. I mean, right. you are entitled to a speedy trial by the Constitution. Well, it's yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, it is that they hate the Constitution, but it's also just that the ends justify the means. You know, if they have to use the Constitution to reach their ends, then they'll do it. You know, if if the trial uh, goes in their in their favor, like it did with Derek Chauvin, the cop who killed George Floyd or who was involved in the death of George Floyd, if it goes in their favor, then they're for the justice system. But if it goes against their their interests, like it's most likely going to with Kyle Rittenhouse, then they then they are not for it. And 
you know, I wanted to add another element to this too, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. You mentioned briefly, you know, the situation with the judge and, and the, uh, and the prosecuting attorney. I can drop a couple, couple clips here, but there was a lot of situations where they were going back and forth and the judge was really railing on this guy because he was trying to, the big one was he was trying to bring up the fact that Kyle had um, maintained his right to innocence after the event, which is, you know, common practice and not controversial at all. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was a, astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. Your Honor, I, with all due respect... I'm not going to rehash the motion. That's absolutely untrue. It and is there's, no, no, no. Your arguments of record... My comments are of record, and why I ruled as I did is of record. There's nothing that I heard in this trial to suggest anything's changed. Even if you're correct in your assumption that you know more than uh, I did at the time, uh, you should have come to the court and say, I want to go into this. I said I had heard nothing in this trial to change any of my rulings. So why? testimony, Your Honor. Pardon me? That was before the Don't defense testimony. Don't get brazen with me. Uh, uh, you knew very well, you know very well that an attorney can't go into these types of areas when the judge has already ruled without asking outside the presence of the jury to do so. So don't give me that. But there's also the other angle to this, which is that I think and I hope that um, when he is acquitted, which inevitably I think he will be on these charges, Kyle is going to have a very strong case for suing a lot of people. Well, we'll see if he does I mean, that. if you think yeah. if you think back to what happened with the Nick Sandman guy, the smiling MAGA hat kid uh, from Tennessee. Exactly. I mean, he sued CNN and MSNBC and a host of other media outlets. We never found out exactly what the settlement was, but he made a lot of money. And and in Kyle's case, I hope that he does the same because the media spent an entire year calling him a murderer, calling him a white supremacist calling him a racist, calling him a proud boy, you know, everything else under the sun, up, up to and including the president of the United States. Kenosha shooter Kyle Rittenhouse, he murdered two people, by the way. Rittenhouse is basically what you would have had in a school shooter. He's a 17-year-old kid. He shouldn't have had a gun. He crossed state lines to supposedly protect property. No, he was going out to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante. Arguably a domestic terrorist picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, a guy who's deeply racist, went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around, shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. A white Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving, uh, Blue Lives Matter, social media uh, uh, partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. A 17-year-old boy mm. who drove across st state lines with an AR-15 and started uh, shooting people up 
including a guy with a skateboard. Kyle Rittenhouse, who has killed protesters, unarmed protesters. Rittenhouse, a 17 year old that went with a weapon into the middle of protests and then provoked people and then shot and killed them. Kyle Rittenhouse is the enemy. A boy from out of state drives up to the state with an AR-15 around his neck, shoots and kills a couple of people, shooting wildly, running around, acting like uh, rent a cop drove across state lines armed with a rifle to go and shoot people. What a dark, uh, dystopian scene where a 17 year old boy is carrying around a rifle, running around and, and gunning down protesters. Well, look, I don't know enough to know whether that 17 year old kid, uh, exactly what he did, but. Allegedly, he's part of a militia coming out of the state of Illinois. Have you ever heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists? Have you ever heard it? That's the reason I got back in this race, because of what happened in Charlottesville. So I think that Kyle, when he gets out of this on the other side, um, I think that he is going to have a very strong case to, to make against these organizations. And I hope that yeah. he does. You think one more thing on this, you, you think the judge maybe sees this is his 15 minutes of fame and he's trying to milk it for all it's worth? I don't he's, know. He's been pretty strident. You I know? don't know, but I don't think it really matters. I mean, and, <laughs> and the things, you know, the you can tell that they're grasping at straws because they're, and by they, I mean the left and, and the media and, and the anti Kyle Rittenhouse crowd, they're bringing up all these things about the judge that are totally irrelevant. Like, you know, he his phone went off in the trial. I don't know if you saw this or not. His phone goes off, and the the his ringtone is "Proud to be an American." And the way that it was spun by the media is that the judge's ringtone is the same song that Trump plays at his rallies. This was like every headline. And first of all, it's totally insignificant, and it doesn't matter at all to the case. It has no bearing on the qualifications of this judge, what his freaking ringtone is. And second of all, I think we're seeing a a shift where like very common patriotic things are now viewed as right wing. You see this with the American flag too. It's like you see somebody waving the American flag, you can almost assume that they're to the right of center. And you know, having like a, a very commonly played patriotic song that you enjoy somehow makes you like a right wing, you know, sympathizer or something yeah. like that. It's ridiculous. Well, it is very ridiculous. But what you're seeing is through this polling and elections that have happened is the left and the, the loony left, there's less and less of them. They're running something now. Yeah. And, and now it's like people are seeing the consequences of it and they're coming back the other way. Yep. Um, and I, I just, I, I hate to jinx it. But I just think that, first of all, you only have to flip five seats, six seats in the House of Representatives to get a Republican majority. I think it's going to be more like 60 seats in the House of Representatives. And I think the Republicans stand a good chance of hanging on to the Senate. What will they do with it? Well, I hope we're going to be here to hold their feet to the fire because I don't want warmed over Democrats running this thing. I want actual Republicans who believe in, you know, free market economy you know, freedom, right? all those things that we believe in that we wave that flag for. Right. Yeah, and we, we touched on this last week, but you kind of um, brought up this point just now, which is it's like the accelerationist mindset. You know, it's the, the further left that they go, 
it's almost good for the conservative cause in some ways because they are accelerating so fast that they're their insane arguments are alienating a lot, alienating a lot of people. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, I think that w- the perfect example of that was the Virginia governor's race. You know, they went so far left on, on the education stuff that people said, no, you know, enough of this people who voted for Obama, who voted for, uh, Joe Biden turned and, and pulled the lever for the Republican. And I think that that may happen in the midterms too. All right, we're going to skip that, and I want to continue with this discussion because uh, the next topic I want to talk about is weaponizing racism, and it, it does tie in to Rittenhouse uh, with the definition of a riot, and we've kind of talked about that. Depending on who you are, like if you're on the left, if you're MSNBC, if you're uh, CNN, you know, if you're Jimmy Kimmel, I mean, you're on the left, and words really do matter. I mean, you don't remember Johnny Carson being on The Tonight Show it's before your I don't, time. I don't remember you know watching it, but I've watched clips of his yeah. show. I've watched some of the interviews. Yeah, Johnny course. Carson never took a political stand. He poked fun at both sides. Right. He went for the jokes. Um, and, but what's changed now is you've got a generation of late night quote unquote comics who are bringing their political bent to the thing. Right. You know, Kamala Harris's ratings are falling through the floor. She's less popular than Joe Biden, if you can believe that. Right. And Kimmel goes on the air and says that's because we're a racist, sexist country. It's either that or you're not funny. And and I don't I think they don't want to admit that. I mean, and even if somebody like Carson or Jay Leno or any of these kind of the Leno really didn't go the political route either. No, yeah, he didn't. And but what I'm saying is that even if they did, they kept it to a minimum and they were funny. It's a late night show. You know, yeah. if you're turning into late night TV for you know, political preaching or whatever, that's not the place for it. And you're just going to alienate half of the country. It's, it's a late night TV show that everyone is supposed to watch. And it's just supposed to be funny. I mean, the same thing is for SNL too. I don't know if you're getting to this or not, but they had a whole bit on SNL this week, just crapping on Ted Cruz for, you know, getting for, for calling out the situation with big bird, you know, indoctrinating everyone about the vaccine. And they had like, Pete Davidson as Joe Rogan on there and it was just not funny. It was insanely not funny to to the point where it's like why does anyone even watch this? Well that's right. I used to host Fear Factor and now doctors fear me. Can you help me, Joe? Oh sure thing, Big Bird. You see, I took Carlos Mencia down. I could take COVID. Here's some zinc and ayahuasca and some horse medicine. Why would a bird take horse medicine? I'm a human, and I took horse medicine. (laughs) And I'm speaking of things that uh, are horse-like. Today's two sponsors are the letters S and D, as in I can S my own D. (laughs) Well, and they don't, and that's the thing. The ratings are falling. They're falling for award shows for the same thing because people don't want to hear a bunch of celebrities blowharding about their left-wing causes and all that. People who tune into this podcast, they know what they're getting, right? right. And, and I know there are people who disagree with us vehemently, who listen to every damn word, you yeah. know, and people who agree with us, who listen to every word. But at least you know what you're getting. We've, we've advertised the thing as, hey, we're just, we're first of all, we're conservative, and we're not ashamed of that. We believe in the Constitution. We believe in freedom. Uh, more folks are coming over to our side than that loony left side because they keep looking at it going, wow. What the hell is it they're talking about? And to your point, Saturday Night Live hasn't been funny for a long time. And it used to be funny, poking fun at both sides. Yeah, totally. 
I mean, I think back to, you know, we just recently lost Norm McDonald and, uh, when he passed, you know, I, I went back and watched a lot of his clips from the weekend update segment on SNL. Just brutal, man. I mean, so hilarious, just brutal calling everyone out. And it's just, uh, it's sunk to, to new lows. And, you know, I went down a rabbit hole, I think last night or maybe even late Saturday night after the show. And, you know, they post clips on Twitter mm-hmm. and I'm just scrolling through and watching these clips. I didn't laugh a single time. It's yeah. not funny. <laughs> it, it, it's not funny. Under the category of weaponizing racism, uh, Morgan Wallen, we made this announcement this morning, is coming back to Kansas City on April 30th, 2022. Morgan Wallen was nominated for Album of the Year but was kept off of the CMAs. He was persona non grata. And this is a guy who did something really, really dumb, and it got caught on a ring camera. Okay, I'm not going to defend what he did or what he said. Um, he used the N-word. Um, he was really, really drunk. He admitted he had a problem. He apologized. He went to rehab. He is committed to restitution, which I don't even think he needs to do. Um, he hasn't done it yet, but he's agreed to give money to black causes. Um, he's, he's done all that, yet... In Nashville, he's still in the penalty box. He is coming to Kansas City. He is the number one selling artist in country music right now. And I suspect that when that concert goes on sale on Friday, it'll sell out fast. Oh, I was going to say it's going to sell out faster than, than anything you can imagine. I, I can Now, why is that? that? I mean, is it because, you know, country music's a bunch of hick seed, um, hay seed, racist, white supremacists? Or they like the guy for his music? Well, I think it's... Obviously not the first thing. Um, I think it's partly the second thing that you said, but I also think that a lot of it is probably people just rejecting cancel culture. You know, I mean, um, and that is a common theme maybe with country listeners uh, is that they they don't buy into all that crap. And that's why we love them. And that's why we we welcome them on the podcast. Um, But yeah, I mean, the, the situation with him was overblown. I mean, I think we, we both agree with that. I mean, he, he, he wasn't racist towards anybody. He was being a drunk idiot to a friend, you know, and it was caught on camera. So what, I mean, you can apologize for it. I think, you know, asking him to donate to causes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think that's a little too far, but you know, I hope that he can, he can redeem himself. You know, it's unfortunate that he wasn't invited to the CMAs, but who cares? You know, if he's selling out shows, if he's selling out albums, if he's still the number one guy on the charts, then right. who cares if he's invited to the CMAs or not? I'm sure he doesn't I care. I just think the CMAs are out of touch. And, and I think we, we get back to what's wrong with Nashville right now, what's wrong with country music. I mean, I pride myself on running a radio station that's a country music radio station. Yet last week when we do our uh, report that we do every week, there were 10 songs in the top 30 that we were not playing on KFKF. It's because Nashville, through this wokeness, they're releasing music that is not country music. Right. The last number one record was a pop song, a right. bad pop song at that. Never played it once on KFKF. We're a country station. We're not ashamed of it, much like you and I aren't ashamed of being conservatives and talking about the Constitution and all that. We're, we're going to play country music that listeners want to hear and here's the the thing that happens as a result of that. There's three country stations in Kansas City. Guess which one has the most listeners? I'll give you a hint. It's not the one carrying the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Uh, so there is something to that of being true to your core and true to who you are. And there's another concept that is uniquely American, that when somebody says, hey, I screwed up, I'm sorry, Right. I want to make things better, I want to be a better person moving forward. Right. 
you forgive them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You don't keep bringing it up. I'm not saying, you know, uh, I'm against apologies, generally speaking, but it just in, in the modern culture, you know, in the modern framework of how this all works an apology just makes things worse. I mean, an apology is never good enough. It's never good enough for these people. You're not going to satisfy them. An apology just is like showing your leg. You know, it, it makes the wolves even uh, even more rabid, and they're just going to come after well, you harder. You're getting married next month, not next month in January. Uh, so am I. I'm, I'm getting married for the third time. You're getting married for the first time, right? Right. You will learn to apologize. Well, yeah, apologizing <laughs> to your wife is is different than apologizing to the media. But yeah. All right. This was a story I came across um, that a councilman elect in a tiny South Jersey town apologizing for wearing a blackface Halloween costume. The guy's name, Vincent Kelly, was elected to the Pittman Borough Council in Gloucester County, wore a blackface Flava Flav costume in 2008 and shared a picture on social media. Um, well, you know, Governor Northam in uh, Virginia, right? Right. Didn't um, seem to hurt him very didn't much. Didn't him in the least because Governor Northam is a Democrat. All right. All right. Councilman Kelly is a Republican, a white 62 year old Republican. Um, so there are calls for him to resign. Um, I don't know if he's going to do that or not, but uh, that's definitely there. And my God, you're talking about a Halloween costume for crying out loud. Right. I think the angle on this is he should say, I mean, obviously it's kind of irrelevant now because we just had an election, but he should say that he'll resign as soon as the governor resigns. You know, I mean, if we're, if that's the standard, then that's the standard and let's hold everybody to that standard. Otherwise, shut up. All right. Uh, while we were talking about Morgan Wallen, not being on the uh, CMAs. I was talking about the CMAs in general. We did a review of the show on Thursday, and um, it, it kind of bothered me that Chris Stapleton took home most of the awards because Chris Stapleton is the darling of Nashville. All the labels love Chris Stapleton. Yeah. Um, never mind the fact that a guy named Luke Combs, his album wasn't even nominated, and when his current single becomes number one, it's going to be the seventh number one from that album. Mm. That's never happened before in any genre of music. Wow. The guy is breaking records left and right, not even nominated. Yeah, it's Yet crazy. They gave a whole bunch of awards to Stapleton. I was making jokes that uh, they've reviewed the tape now, and he's also won for Female Vocalist of the Year, Duo of the Year, and Group of the Year. So I was making some jokes about it. And then there is the insecurity of country music in general. Um, that they can't have an award show without having some cool singer from another format right. come in and do a duet. Right. They are so insecure. So I talked about that. And the comment I made was, you will never see Luke Combs on the BET Awards. Right. Okay? <laughs> because they are secure enough that they don't need Luke Combs. Right. Luke Combs right now is knocking down all the records in country music. But again, the uppity-ups in Nashville – um, they're ashamed of him because he's a big fat guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't want a big fat guy who sings traditional country music to be the face of it. Isn't isn't Chris Stapleton rather large as well? No, he's he's tall, much oh, like okay. him. he's not fat. Okay, no, but the Chris Stapleton thing, I, I don't know. He, there's just a cool factor in Nashville. Never mind the fact that of, of, in terms of hits right. on the radio, right. record sales, and all that. It's just that he's cool, he's hip, or whatever. Right. So he won like five or six awards, and I made fun of all that. So I get this letter from Haley, and it's interesting, too, because when you complain about something on KFKF, it comes to me. 
as the program director, I'm the complaint department. Right. It used to go to the big, big boss, but he got tired of dealing with it. <laughs> so he just switched it so it comes to me. Yeah. But I take it all seriously, and I, and I try and get a dialogue going. So Haley writes, I'm writing in regard to a comment Dale Carter made this morning on the air. I try to avoid listening to 94.1 in the mornings because I can't stand to listen to Dale Carter's racist comments. I stopped listening to the station for quite some time while the Beat the Terrorist game was on the air. Have we ever talked about that? Mm -mm. Okay. Beat the Terrorist was kind of a fun little game we did where I would say, name five things about yada yada. Mm -hmm. And if you named five things, the sound effect that went off was our terrorist going, yeah, 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 and then kaboom. (laughs) <laughs> right? And we called him Ahmed. Everybody loved Ahmed. It was beat the terrorist. Well, some people got pissed about it. Yeah. So we stopped doing it. So she says, I stopped listening to the station for quite some time because of that. But today was 100% uncalled for. While discussing the Chris Stapleton and Jennifer Hudson performance, Dale made the comment, can you imagine if Luke Combs performed at the BET Awards? I didn't say that. I said Luke Combs would never be invited to perform at the <laughs> right. BET Awards. Impl- Accurate. Implying that because Jennifer Hudson's black, I frankly didn't even know that. I'm a country guy. I don't even know who Jennifer Hudson is. Couldn't pick her out of a lineup. Um, She cannot perform at the Country Music Awards. Jennifer Hudson has a beautiful voice, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Uncalled for, disgusting, yada, da, da, da. Uh, If you want to encourage young listeners to tune into your station, I suggest you make some changes to what is allowed to be said. No wonder no one likes to listen to the radio anymore. Can I guess your response? I haven't heard this before. Oh, please. Go ahead. So my favorite part about that is how she starts with, I try not to listen to the station and then listens to the station and writes it in complaints about Well, it. that's what people do. I mean, they, they complain, I'm never going to listen ever again. Right. Oh, by the way, you did this. Right, right. I said uh, to Haley, I said, thanks for reaching out. I take all this seriously, yada, yada, yada. Um, Beat the Terrorist hadn't been on our morning show for years. I would argue the game wasn't racist, but I respect your opinion on that. As far as your comment about what I said this morning, nothing to do with race. The comment was directed at the insecurity of country music to have an awards show without inviting stars from outside the format. To my point, the BET Awards are secure enough to not invite country performers. That's why you'd never see Luke Combs there. I could have just as easily said the MTV Awards. Would that have been better? One of the biggest problems in our discourse these days is that racism has become weaponized. I'm seriously curious what you think I've said or done that is racist. Let's have a discussion that goes beyond just tagging me with the word. So she writes back, you could have just as easily said the MTV Awards, but you didn't. You chose BET, and I can't help but wonder what made you make that association. Maybe I was just thinking about something that completely ridiculous, like Luke Combs, the big fat country guy, being on the BET Awards. Well, and also the reason that he wouldn't be on the BET Awards is because most of their audience probably hates white country music fans. <laughs> exactly. No thy audience. Uh, She says, again, Jennifer Hudson was there as part of a tribute to Aretha Franklin, and if country music and its listeners feel threatened by having people of color come to their shows, then that's on them. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think you're making a mistake in trying to engage with these people. It's not never going to work, but it is funny. Makes for good, uh, makes for good radio. I did try. I said, I apologize. Maybe I should have picked a different network. BET was the first thing that came to mind, considering a country, considering country welcomed Darius Rucker from the pop world. He committed to the format. That's different. He's not a flyby. Plus, we play artists like Jimmy Allen and Kane Brown, both of whom are black. And considering I pick the music, it has to be more than racism, right? <laughs> it's just so silly. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, that's that's the letter from the listener. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about um, the cost of living increase. 
Thanksgiving, child tax credits, and IKEA. And as a pro, I will tie all these things together and send you on your way. Prices are falling at Frontier Justice's Fall Savings Event. Don't miss out on in-stock ammo, 9mm, .223, and 5.56 ammo, all on sale. The boutique is featuring deals from Duke Cannon, Vertex, and ladies, come check out the vast selection of concealed carry purses. All in-stock purses are 20% off. A chance to win a free gun-toting mama purse by just signing up. Get in this weekend for the deals. Frontier Justice in Lee Summit and KCK or online. frontier Justice. Okay, before we get to the last part of the podcast today, I did want to mention the infrastructure emergency. It's a big emergency because we got roads that are crumbling, bridges that are crumbling, yada, 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 right? Oh, yeah. I'm saying yada, yada, yada a lot today. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this emergency infrastructure bill was passed in the House on November 5th. Wasn't signed right away. It's an emergency, Kurt. Has he signed it yet? He has not signed it yet. Huh. As we're recording this podcast, it's on the calendar to be signed later today, 10 days later. If it's an emergency, why wasn't the thing put in a vehicle and rushed up Pennsylvania Avenue to the White House so the president could sit down at the desk there and sign it and get this going? Yeah, he's been too busy uh, eating pudding and sleeping and touching kids. Oh, no. He went to Maryland. To take a, a victory lap, to tell them all what the Port of Baltimore was going to look like after this infrastructure spending started. But it's an emergency. So instead of signing the bill, he went to talk about yeah. what, how cool he's it's going to be. He's taking his victory lap out right. there. But this is an emergency. It's got to be done right now. Right. In, in point of fact, even after it's signed this afternoon, it's going to take a while to get things going. Oh, you don't say. It's Washington, D.C. Yeah, exactly. So 10 days later, yet it was an emergency. All right, the Consumer Price Index hit its highest point since 1990. Yikes. Over 30 years, 6.2%. And uh, fuel oil prices, even worse, swelling by over 12% in October. It's going to be a cold winter, and I guess the advice, it's much like when Jimmy Carter was president, put on a sweater, and you're wearing a nice sweater today. Thank you. It's very warm. Yeah, so make sure you keep that around. Um, Thanksgiving is coming up. Um, would you be able to find food? I, I'm telling you, I, we go to the store, major grocery stores. First of all, if you can find it, it's a lot more expensive than it was. But empty shelves are everywhere. Yeah, empty shelves, Joe. Yeah, that's the tag. Yeah, uh, it's 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 all COVID related though. But the good news is, uh, there's another payment for the child tax credit hitting bank accounts today. Okay, uh, and if you haven't signed up. You have until midnight to register. Those who make the deadline could get all the money that they're owed in one lump sum. That government, man, it just keeps paying. Money that they're owed. I like how they put that. It's like, a, it's like a slot machine. Yeah. So I'll leave you with this. IKEA workers are getting a raise. Folks who work at IKEA, which, by the way, is a private company. I want to make that distinction here. IKEA announcing uh, that starting January 1st, the starting wage will jump from just over 14 an hour to 16 an hour. Company officials also said they would enhance their benefits package to include five weeks paid time away, education assistance, child care, and more inclusive health care. Now, what's my point in all of this? You can have the federal government be your nanny state and do all this, or you can let the private sector decide. Mm -hmm. And the private sector, who right now is having difficulty getting people to come back to work, they will make the decisions to do what they have to to get people to come back to work. Yeah, and I'm sure that'll be a good incentive for, for people to uh, sign up for employment with IKEA, you know, and uh, 
Yeah. And then competition will happen. So another company will say, gosh, if IKEA is doing this, we've got to do that. Right. And eventually the market will fix things if you let it. And if you don't believe in the market, you're living in the wrong country. I agree. I agree. Do you like IKEA? I have never been inside an IKEA store. What? I drive by it all the time. Oh man, you got to go. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a fun, it's like a maze. You get to walk around and, you know, get the cinnamon rolls. It's great. You do that. I like to read a book, maybe watch a movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Different strokes for different folks. And with that, this is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalec at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.